is where we'll be reading out of. Actually, we're going to be covering several chapters in Matthew, but don't let that uh, worry you. (laughs) You're probably saying, oh no, we're going to be here a while. I'll try not to. I've done had people ask me to please make it short. My my great niece on the way here, she said, uh, Bubby, you look like uh, Sonic. Said, you got the blue shirt on and spiky hair. <laughs> and he's quick, so I don't know if that's an emphasis to, to make this quick too, but this is the Lord's time, so we want that to be for him. But let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll uh, get into our lesson. Dear Lord, I thank you so much, God, for all that you do. I thank you for loving me, God. I'm so unworthy, God, just to stand up here today. But I thank you that you allow me this opportunity. I pray that you fill me with your spirit that help me to speak the words you'd have me to speak, God. I thank you for my family here, for my church family, God. I love them, and I thank you for them. And I pray for the needs in their life right now, God. I know we'll talk about uh, the prayer requests later, but... I pray for each need that's in this room right now and ask that you touch their hearts and lives, God, and help us, Lord, as we focus on you and your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I want to start out with a very familiar story in the Bible. And we're going to look at chapter 7 of Matthew, starting in verse 24. And we're going to read through this, but... We're not just going to cover this and you'll understand once we get started. This is what it, I'll give everybody a chance to get there. Matthew 7, starting in verse 24. This is what it reads. It says, there, this is Jesus speaking. He said, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was the fall. And so it was, when Jesus had ended these sayings, that the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. We, we find here the Lord likes to use stories. And I know that we all kind, kind of have stories that we share. I get tickled when Brother Darren uh, and Brother Charles kind of go at it with stories. And so I love the puzzle one that, that you did. I thought about getting him a box, a different box with the toucan Sam on it. I said, maybe you can do this puzzle, but he don't have to worry. I didn't, I didn't do that to him. But we see here that God goes through this, Jesus goes through this, this story about two builders and how they each build a house and they each have their foundation on different things. The house is the same. It doesn't say anything different. It just says they both built a house and they both went through the same storms. They had to weather the same storms that came their way. But one stand, was still standing and one had taken a great fall. And the Lord tells us this, that based on the foundation that we have, 
And I want to talk to you tonight about having, and me and Brother Joe, we never could get this right with, our, with the title. He kept asking me, and I, kept, I had to come back up here to look. But we want to talk about a rock-solid life, what that means. And in this lesson, that's the, that's the main story, is these foundations. But that's not where Jesus wanted it to end. Because if you look here, in verse 24, it says, Whoever hears these words, these sayings of mine, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. So he tells this story, but it's based on us listening to the words of God. Listening to the words of God. So we're going to kind of cover, we're going to backtrack till we get back to this story. But we're going to go back to chapter 5 and work our way, way across. I'm not necessarily going to read all of the scriptures, but we're going to do the highlights through this. Because this is a famous um, teaching of Jesus. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And he's discussing, he's teaching his disciples some important lessons uh, that we're going to find out about in here. Before we get into that, I want to share with you, just, this is actually a true story. But, uh, and Lori knows these guys I'm going to talk about, but uh, I knew Lori from college, and she knew that I hung out with a, a rowdy crowd of guys that went singing to different churches. Well, they wasn't rowdy, they was good guys. I was probably the worst of all of them, but We'd go to different churches and sing, and one, one time uh, we went to North Carolina, and uh, we went to one of our friend's homes, and we were going to go to their church and sing, and one of the guys left with, with her friend and her brother to go somewhere, and on their way back, he saw two guys fighting on the side of the road, and his name was Toby, in case you need to know who it uh, there was three other guys, Toby, King, and Dwayne at the time was the guys that I sang with. And we called ourselves a few good men. And that was our little group from, from the college time there. And we had a blast. But here he is, he's, he's went out with them, he's coming back, and he sees these two guys fighting on the side of the road. So he decides, hey, let's stop and see if we can't, because one of them was getting beat up pretty bad. So he was trying to to break it up. So he gets out, and needless to say, he ends up getting hurt more than the other guys trying to break it up. I think even the guy he was trying to help is the one that punched him. And during that time frame, he lost his watch. And it was late, and we had a singing to go to that night, so he couldn't stick around and look for it. So we went, and we did our, even though he had been beat up a little bit, we went on and we sang, and we praise the Lord, and we come back afterwards to look for his watch. And remember, he couldn't find it in the daylight, and we're going back, and it's dark. Maybe we had our cell phones with the little lights on it. But what happened was, he remembered, he set his alarm on his watch for 10 o'clock. So we're out, and the only way we found it was when the alarm went off, and he heard it. And he was able to find what he was looking for. And the key to that, that was a true story, okay? That really happened. But what, what knowledge God gives us in that, that when we stop and listen, we find what we're looking for. And when we're looking into the Word of God, 
and we stop and listen to what God says, we're going to find what we need in His Word. And that's what He said. If we listen to the words He says, we're going to have a solid foundation. But it's those that pretend to listen, and then they don't apply what they learn to their life. They're the ones that built their house, and they look like a Christian, because he's talking to Christian people right now on these foundations. They look like a Christian, they act like a Christian, but they don't have a foundation in Jesus. So I I want us to go over, we're going to kind of go through a few things here. Starting in the very start of Matthew chapter 5. Jesus gives some rewards. I'm going to try to go through these uh, and not spend a whole lot of time uh, so that I don't bore you guys to death. But uh, I want us to look here at some rewards for Christ-like character. And let's just read through some of these. It says, blessed are the, this starts in verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When Jesus starts teaching his disciples, he talks about these rewards that come. But what what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Really, Jesus is telling us what it means for us starting out in our life to follow him. We have to realize our need for him. That we we don't have the spirit, the strength that God does to face every situation that comes our way. We need Jesus Christ in our life to guide us. We have to have that knowledge that we can't do anything without him. And once we realize that, and I never had thought about this before, because when I think about mourning, I'm thinking about somebody that's lost someone, and, and they're grieving for that. You know, and, and, and different ones of us have went through that in different stages of our life. But there's some insight to this that I never thought about. First, we realize we need a relationship with Jesus. But to get that relationship with Jesus, then we have to be, we have to mourn the condition that we're in. The condition that sin has put our life in, and we realize, hey, I need God. I've sinned in my life, and I need to do something about that. And then I go to Jesus and I pray to Him, and I confess my sins to Him, and He comforts me. Because he forgives me of my sins and he saves me. Amen? He saves me right there. So we know we need God. We know that we can have that relationship with God. Then it goes on to say that we try to control ourselves, that that we're meek, but that doesn't mean that we don't have strength. That strength under control is what meekness is. So we're not out to, to... to beat everybody over the head with God, but we're out there to share Jesus with others. And then it goes on to talk about the ways we do that, that we're excited about God and His Word. We're thirsty and hungry for that, and we want to make a difference. That we treat others in a right way, that we're kind and merciful, that we try to to love people the way God would love people, 
that we try not to start problems, but we try to be peacemakers. And then when we strive to do that, even though we'll be persecuted, God gives us the promise that we have a home with Him in heaven. So some of the Christ-like characters there that we see that Jesus starts out telling His disciples. Then He goes on. He goes on to talk about being a good example. Rules for Christ-like conduct. And he goes on to talk about in, in these next few chapters here. He, he talks about being an example. And he uses this illustration that these, these two illustrations. One is to be salt. And one is to be light. Now salt is used to preserve things, Right? That's what salt was for. But it also used to help make your, to- your food taste better. It adds a little flavor. But w- one other person had also said that it also stimulates thirst. Salt stimulates thirst. So think with me for a minute. If we're salt, we're out to preserve other people from going to hell. We're out to make a difference in the world to add a little flavor, add something that people don't realize that they need, and that's Jesus. And bring them to that living water that can quench their thirst. And then it goes on to talk about the light. And you know, just a small light can make a difference in a dark place. How many of y'all, be honest, how many of y'all have ever slept with the light on in your house? I've been there. <laughs> I think we even have one in our, in, in our room so we don't trip over stuff on the way to the bathroom or whatever. I'm guilty of that. I can't see in the dark. I can't see in the light either sometimes, but I can't see in the dark especially. But the light makes a difference. It, it, it's something that, that makes you feel safe, but it's also something that helps you find your way. And that's what we're to be in what we do and what we say, we're to be an example to others that the Scripture goes on to say that uh, let others, uh, let them see, you shine your light so uh, before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So these being the salt and being the light, these are not things to give us credit, but they're things that we can use to be examples for others to give, and to give God the glory for that. It also talks about, it goes on in through here, some different, different things. I'm not going to cover all of these, but I'm going to hit the highlights. And, and your Bible may have headings that talk about this. But uh, verse 13 and 15 talks about the salt and light. Then we go on, and God talks about some other things in his sermon here. He talks about that he didn't come to do away with the commandments. Can anybody keep the commandments? Right here they are. And from what I understand, if you break one, you've broke them all. Everybody agree with that? If you broke one, you broke them all. I broke more than one. But here's the thing. God knew that we couldn't keep these commandments. 
These commandments were used to help us realize our need for Him. Realize that we needed God in our life. But Jesus makes a statement that He didn't come to do away with the commands, but to bring them to light. And He gives some illustrations as you look through chapter 5, chapter 6. We see some some different examples here. At one point He talks about um, murder. And he says, don't commit adultery. And he says, uh, don't, don't divorce. But he goes on to talk about, not only are we not supposed to murder, but we need to control our temper because our temper can lead us to want to kill somebody. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been so mad that if you could have grabbed hold of somebody, you'd have wrung their neck out? I'm, I'm, I know, I, for lack of better ways to say it, that happens. If you're on the interstate, we was talking about the interstate tonight before church. If you're on the interstate, that's really one of the things that'll get you. <laughs> Lord, help us. But we're so easy to get upset and to get angry when the Lord says we're to be patient with others. Isn't it sad, though, that Christians are the hardest to get along with sometimes when it comes to that? It really is. It's, that's the truth, and, and that's what puts a bad name on us, is that, yes, we're still sinners, but we have to set a standard, not, not to say we're above anybody else, because we're not. We're all in the same boat. But we're to realize that if we're setting an example to show others to Jesus, we better be careful on how we act. And that's what Jesus is saying. You know, anything in our life, if we don't keep control of it, it can get out of hand. That's what he's saying. He's talking about the murder. He goes on to talk about adultery. He says, you need to be careful what you're doing. Don't put yourself in in bad situations, but honor your commitment that you've made. Then it goes on to talk about divorce. And divorce in this day and age is more of a convenience. That's what that is, has come to be. Uh, is that they get tired of each other and they don't try to work it out, so they end it. But God did not create divorce other than the fact that if someone was unfaithful, And he says that we should be faithful to the one he joins us with. That we should honor them the way God would honor them and love them the way God would love them. So he's telling us these instructions going through his Sermon on the Mount. And he goes on to talk about oaths that we have and how that we should... um, Let's see here if I can find it. He talks about how we make oaths, that we need to be careful what we say because if we're not honest with other people, then then how can we say that we shouldn't lie? How can we say that Jesus is the truth? If we're supposed to be the example to Jesus and we don't tell people, it says to let your yes be yes 
and your no be no. Don't make it more complicated than it has to be. It, it, it go, it, this is talked about, if you look through chapter 5 still, we're going through adultery is in verses 32, um, then the oaths is in 30, 33, 34, as we cover these, being honest. Then it talks about um, your enemy. And it says not to seek revenge. Like it's saying in verse 38, it says, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And we're so eager to grab hold of that word and, and, and to get revenge on somebody if they've done us wrong. I'll get you back, right? That's, that's what we think about. To get them back. If you do me wrong, I'm going to get you back. But that's not God. God doesn't look that way. And I'm not telling you this is easy because if you're pushed, you're going to want to push back. That's just a natural thing. But when we're trying to live an example for God, He tells us to turn, you know, turn the other cheek. If somebody hits you on the on one cheek, turn it and let them have the other one. How hard would that be without God? I couldn't do it. But that's what he says is, is don't look to get back at other people. Don't repay evil for evil, but repay evil with good. Satan wants us to do these bad things. He wants us to follow our anger and get revenge and hurt other people. But God isn't like that. God wants us to love others. If you love those that love you, you're not really doing anything hard, are you? It's easy to love people that love you back. It's hard to love people that you don't like or people that don't like you. How is it that that Jesus took that cross Loving those people that said crucify. And all he said was forgive. To have that spirit. And he's talking to his disciples. But he's also talking to us right now. That we need to live our life following what he said as an example. These are his teachings. These are his words that we should follow him. That we should live our life for him. And then, then it goes on to say uh, that whatever you do, it, it's saying don't do this. It, it goes on to talk about um, praying, doing good things to be seen, fasting, and then bragging about your fasting. Fasting is supposed to be done in secret. It's not supposed to be said to be done for others to see. Same with giving or helping someone, it's not to get glory for yourself. But it's to do something nice for somebody and give God the glory for it because you're His. You're His example to love and to do. And it goes on to talk about praying. And Jesus makes reference to this as well. He says, he says don't do the prayer that way either to be seen because like the hypocrites do they'll get up in front of everybody and, and brag and talk and give all these big speeches 
But be like, like the one that was afraid to even look up to heaven and prayed and asked God humbly. And Jesus even went so far to let them know, hey, prayer is important. He tells us in several different scriptures. I'm just going to give you some highlights here um, of these scriptures. Colossians 3.17 Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3.23 Basically, these are very similar, but Colossians 3.23 Whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whether therefore you eat or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now the question we have to ask ourselves, are we doing it for God, or are we doing it for ourselves? How many of you have ever done anything, and you turned around to see if anybody was looking? It can happen. But our motive should not be for people to say, oh, look, and and let's just take this as our church. Oh, look how good they are to everybody in the community. That's just such a nice church. And then we get the idea, hey, we are a nice church. And then we kind of puff our chest out and we're thinking, man, we're, we're better than that church down the street. We shouldn't look like that, though, should we? We should say, praise Jesus. If we're making a difference in someone's life, then we should thank Jesus that he gave us that opportunity to do that, not to thank ourselves and to look highly on ourselves, because God can use anybody. I mean, I'm proof right now. I'm standing up here, and they're letting me talk to you all. That's scary. He didn't find nobody else. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, brother. I'm honored to be here to do this. And I, Lord, don't let me mess up. And if I do, just let them hear your words. But Jesus wanted us to know that, first of all, you know, we have these rewards for being like Jesus, to having that relationship with Him. Then we get into what our conduct should be like, that, that we, we look to help others and to love others and to do what's right, And to be honest with people in our dealings with them. And then Jesus lets us know that, hey, involved in your life with me, prayer is important. It was so important that he taught his disciples how to do it. And you all know this prayer. It says, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Jesus outlines this. And he says, let's start this off with, again, a personal relationship. Our Father. We have a relationship with God in our prayer life as well. We're talking. We're communicating with Him. We believe that He's in control of everything. He's in heaven and He's got the earth under His feet. And He's in control. And that is faith at work in our prayer. 
Hallowed be thy name is worship that comes into our prayer to thank God for what he's done. And then we pray to him saying, thy kingdom come, we expect God to move in the future. He knows the plans he has for us and he lets us know what his plans are in his word. So we can expect what God's going to do next. We can't know every little thing, but we can know the big things. All we have to really know is that if God was with you today, guess what? He's with you tomorrow. Amen? He's with you every day. Goes on to say, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We've got to submit to God in our prayers that not what our outcome we think it should be, but what He thinks it should be. We ask Him for our needs. We petition for the daily needs, our daily bread. We confess our sins. And we have compassion to forgive others. And we're dependent on Him to help us overcome the devil. Then we acknowledge where our power comes from. It comes from Him and His kingdom. So we've gone through some of these things. Then He gives us some specific uh, examples, some, some specific guidelines of ways that we should interact with, with other people and in things that we do. And these are some rules, and you can jot these down if you want to. But specific guidelines for Christ-like conduct. There's the money rule. There's the worry rule. There's the judgment rule. There's the prayer rule. There's the golden rule. The money rule says this, Matthew 6, 19, where it starts out, don't lay up treasures on this earth where you'll lose them, but put your efforts in the kingdom of God in heaven. Store your treasures there because this is the, this is the guideline where your treasure is. Is where your heart is. So if your treasure is based on this earth, it's going to waste away. It's going to fall. There will be a great fall with that as well. But if your heart is focused on God, on Jesus, it will last. It says don't worry. He knows what we need. Do you guys believe God knows what you need? How many of y'all pray for God to meet your need? If you pray, then you, you're expecting God to move. And God says, don't worry about it. He even goes on to say, if I take care of the birds or I clothe the flowers, will I not take care of you who I love so much more? The judgment rule, judge not lest ye be judged. Could you imagine if the judgment you, you place on someone else, God takes that judgment and uses it on you? How scary would that be? We're quick to judge sometimes. You can't judge a book by its cover. Isn't that a saying? God looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So many, and I, this is one of my favorite verses because sometimes I feel like I've got the log in my eye. But you know, the, 
The scripture says, why worry about the speck in your brother's eye till you get the log out of yours first? Then you can see good enough to help your brother or sister get the speck out of theirs. God is the one that will judge. God just wants us to move and to love and to lead people to Him. And then the prayer rule, He taught us how to pray, but then He gives us this promise that if we ask, if we ask Him, we'll receive. If we seek Him, we'll find. If we knock, He'll open the doors for us. And then the golden rule, whatever you would that men should do to you, do even so to them. If you want people to love you, you better love them. If you want people to be kind to you, you better be kind to them. If you want people to pray for you, you better pray for them. That is a powerful golden rule. But it backs up what Jesus said before. We're to love the Lord your God with all your... This is one of my favorites. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Then love your neighbor as yourself. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you're going to do the golden rule, right? That's just part of the framework to do that. So it gives us, gives us some of these specific rules to follow in our life as we try to have that rock-solid life with Him. Then he gives us reminders in the scriptures. And now we're getting closer to where we started, okay? (laughs) We're getting closer to where we started. Matthew 7. Reminders for a Christ-centered life. And Jesus gives three examples here. Starting in verse 13, he talks about two different ways we can travel. One's a narrow way, And one's a wide way. One brings you to life. And one brings you to destruction. And the sad thing is, Jesus doesn't sugarcoat it for us here. Let's just read it. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Jesus made the statement, I am the way. This is in John 14. Verses 2 and 3 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There's only one way to follow. Any other path you take, takes you to hell. Only one takes you to heaven. And not many look for it. Do you know why people don't look for Jesus today? Because Jesus reminds them that they're not perfect. That they have wrongs going on in their life. That's why there's so many that follow the other way because they can do whatever they want to. They can live whatever lifestyle they want to. They can find people that encourage them for the lifestyle that they want to live. But God tells us there's only one way to live. That's a life with Him. 
If you're on a road that you know you shouldn't be on, turn around. Find Jesus, because He's waiting for you. He doesn't want you to find destruction in your life. He wants you to follow a path that leads to life. He said in in the Scriptures, starting out in His ministry, uh, that He came to give us an abundant life. A life that's worth something. A life that's full of value. Why don't people see that today? It's still the same. The story's not changed. He doesn't want you on that bad road. The devil's saying, go this way, go this way. And God's saying, don't do it. But you see your buddies going down that road and you think, I'll have more fun with them. It won't be fun later on. Have you been on that wide road before? You know, I have a feeling we all hit that wide road every once in a while. Just being honest. We all get off the, doing what we should do. And when we get out of the way of doing what we should do, we, we change paths. But God wants to bring us back. God wants us to follow Him. He wants us to choose that right path and to stay on it. To follow Him and His example and to know that He's the way to live. He's the truth and the life. Then he goes on to talk about, in, starting in verse 15, he, he talks about these two trees. And he says that one of them bears good fruit, and one of them bears bad fruit. And the good tree can't produce bad fruit, and the bad tree can't produce good fruit. you got to pick which one you're going to be. What kind of fruit do you want people to see in your life? What kind of example do you want to be to others? Because this is God's warning. He says in verse 19, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. The wide road leads to destruction. The tree that produces bad fruit is thrown into the fire. Are we on the right path? Are we bearing the right fruit? Because this is when he gets to where we started this, this night out of. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Not me. Jesus is saying, are you, I hope you're hearing what I'm saying too. But Jesus is saying, are you hearing me? Are you hearing what I'm teaching you? And and remember, he's not talking to the crowds even though the crowds are listening. He's talking to his disciples. Are you getting what I'm saying? Do you understand? I can't make it really any clearer than what I've already told you guys. But let me give you one more illustration. Are you on the right path or the wrong path? Are you on the narrow road or the wide road? Are you the good fruit-bearing tree or are you the bad fruit-bearing tree? Okay, let's, let's hit it here. What foundation are you building your house on? Because if you've been listening to me and you're following what I tell you, then you're building a house on a solid foundation. 
And we know that that foundation is Jesus Christ. He's the only foundation that you can build on. Brother Charles made mention of this in in his message Wednesday night. And uh, I thought he was going to steal my sermon there for a minute. But he made reference. It says, and here's some scriptures that talk about this. About the Lord building the building. Psalms 127.1 says this. And you've heard this one before. Except the Lord build the building, those who labor, labor in vain. It means if you're not letting God work in your life to build you up, to be who He wants you to be, then everything you've done in your life is worthless. Because your life's not going to make any difference in anyone else's life. Isaiah 28.16 says, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Then this is what Brother Charles mentioned the other day. 1 Corinthians 3.11 For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Jesus talks about these two foundations, the rock and the sand. And he talks about two houses. And he doesn't say that one looked any better than the other, did he? He just says they built houses on these foundations. And it talks about the same storms. The rains came, the winds came, the storms hit the houses. And the one that was built on the rock, on the solid rock foundation, withstood the storms. But the one that was conveniently made on a foundation of sand, it destroyed everything. God's saying, do you want a life of value? Do you want a life of worth? Then trust me to build your life on. Because if you don't trust in God as your foundation, then nothing else is going to matter. Any other foundation that you build on, when the storms come, your house is going to go down. And it never said that anything was left of value of that house. It said great was the fall. Great was the fall. You know, the the good thing about this, when Jesus talked about this to his disciples, they were listening. Because if they wasn't, we wouldn't have any more of the Bible, would we? Of the stories that they talked about. In 2 Peter, it says to build on your foundation. To build on the foundation of Jesus. And he gives us some examples here of adding to our our building. And these are things that God would want for us. He says, add to your... This is 2 Peter chapter 1, first 10 verses. I'm just going to kind of summarize. But it says, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. 
For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. There we go again with the fall. If we follow God's plan and we build on His Word and on what He teaches us and on how He shows us how to live, we'll stand the test of time. But if we don't, you heard the saying that you got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Basically, let's just say it a different way. If we ain't standing for Jesus, we're going to fall, right? That's what his word's basically saying. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know everything there is to know. I probably didn't have to tell you all that. You probably knew that already. But how gracious our Lord and Savior is that he would share this knowledge with us that we can withstand storms just by trusting in his word. Just by living by His Word. And my question to you tonight as we get ready to turn it over for our prayer time. Are you living that rock solid life? Are you living a life for Jesus? I hope that you are. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for allowing me to speak tonight. For you speaking through me, Lord. And I pray, God, that you'll encourage us to live our lives for you, God. And be with us, Lord, as we go into our prayer time now, God. Just guide us that we may overflow with your love and and your kindness in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.